your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, we're uh, going to take on the topic of conflict avoidance. And, you know, conflict avoidance is really an um, indicator that a person, especially if it's an adult, a person is struggling with childhood issues, uh, things that took place in childhood. Uh, you know, avoiding conflict is, is the most frequent thing that a child will do. Um, and so many adults will carry that coping skill of avoiding any kind of conflict into their adult life. And what's, what's interesting is a lot of people don't understand how to do conflict. And, and you know, conflict is not that difficult. Um, people make it very, very complicated because we tend to listen to tone and we tend to, to watch how a person's body language is uh, while they're communicating, especially if they're communicating passionately. But what is the deal is if, if people talk in tone and they and they use a lot of expression, generally that's all people are going to hear. And if that happens, also people go to the flight or flight the fight or flight mechanisms, which means they're either going to avoid uh, having a conflict with you because it appears to be dangerous, or they don't feel like they're going to hear you. So the way that you do conflict is you keep your voice flat and straight. If you can keep your voice flat and straight. Uh, you can avoid being aggressive and you can become assertive, which is what adults do. They are assertive. And to be assertive, you basically keep your, your voice flat and you talk about your emotions rather than demonstrate them. So here's, a, here's an example. I'll just pull something off the top of my head. You know, the other day you made me very frustrated and I'm really enraged with you about this because you said you were going to do this and then you didn't do it. You see, that's conflict. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a big deal. But people make it such a big deal because they bottle it up inside so many times, and then eventually, when the theme hits again, the smallest thing could happen, and the person turns into a volcano. And that's because they suppress to avoid conflict. And we just can't do that in human communication. We have to set boundaries. We have to communicate our feelings, but we don't have to blow the doors off. We just state them. We don't have to demonstrate them. State your feelings rather than demonstrate your feelings and you'll be able to do conflict fairly safely and if somebody you're talking to is not doing that you just continue doing that until they come down all right so what is conflict avoidance you know it is a method of dealing with conflict which attempts to avoid directly confronting the issue at hand and methods of doing this can, can include changing the subject, putting off a discussion to later, or simply not bringing up the subject of contention. You know, a conflict prevention can be used as a temporary measure to buy time or to uh, a permanent means of disposing of a matter. You know, conflict prevention is something like taking a time out for 30 minutes, setting a time to come back. You come back in 30 minutes and you try to do it again in a better way. You set the goal, I'd like to do this as adults. I don't want to do this as children. You know, let's take 30 minutes, take a break, figure out how we can come back and sit down and discuss this as adults. And that even can work with children because children do have an adult side of them and they do appreciate not having an escalated fight. You know, 
the latter may be indistinguishable, meaning uh, conflict prevention, from uh, simple acquiescence to the other person, uh, to the extent that we uh, that the person avoiding the conflict subordinates in their own wishes to the to the other person, which they have the conflict. However, conflict prevention can also take a form of withdrawing from the relationship. You know, avoidance scenarios can either be win-lose, lose-lose, possibly even win-win if terminating the relationship is the best method of solving the problem. You know, there's also people like the, the uh, passive-aggressive people that I mentioned earlier that are feeling swallowers. They, they swallow their feelings. They smile even if the situation is causing them pain. And uh, basically... Uh, what happens is uh, they be- they behave be- like that because they consider the approval of other people important and they feel that it would be dangerous to affront them with revealing their true feelings. So their feelings just don't belong in this world. Their responses, you know, these people will just swallow and swallow and swallow until eventually they'll hit a tipping point over some ridiculous small matter, but thematically it represents a glacier and basically, they just blow. Um, also, subject changers uh, find the real issue too difficult to handle. They, they change the topic by finding something which there can be some agreement uh, with the other person. And uh, th- th- this response style usually does not solve anything. Instead, it can create problems for the people who use this and for other people like organizations work in which sub- people are working. And then there's avoiders, you know, who go out of their way to avoid conflicts at all costs. And there's lots of those folks. You know, look at yourself. Are you conflict avoidant? We all have to look at this. We all have that one person we know, a partner, an ex, uh, that just can't handle fighting. And if the possibility of a disagreement rears its head, they're out the door, you know, manically changing the subject or shutting down completely so that peace is on its way. And, uh, and it's there, and it, realistically, things go quiet, and then issues remain completely unresolved. And this is the people that basically will have the same fight for 20 to 30 years. You know, if this is a chronic occurrence, your, your friend, partner, whoever, may actually be conflict avoidance, and, uh, which is a, uh, a personality uh, psychological designation for people who strive to get away from fights at, at any cost. The thing about conflict avoidance is that in small doses, it's actually reasonable. You know, fights aren't fun. They stress the body out severely, for one thing. But if you're going around seeking people to punch and you aren't operating healthily, you know, in, in many contexts, from the workplace to relationships, being able to really put out your grievances in a, in a way that is heard and respected and is it's a really valuable skill. And it's something that everybody Everybody wants to learn how to do. You know, if you don't get assertive, how can you make it clear to your partner uh, that you're really not okay with the fact that they uh, sleep with the TV on all night or, or tell your workmate they made a mistake with a project? You know, conflict avoidant people would rather just shoulder the bad behavior of others than deal with it. And that doesn't lead to happiness or satisfaction for anybody. And sadly enough, there are even people who are supervisors out there. And this is the one skill you can't avoid having, but do sometimes. Uh, There's a lot of people in supervisory roles that avoid conflict with their employees. What a terrible thing. Because you've got to be able to set boundaries with employees if you want to make life effective. You've got to set boundaries with children to make life more smoother. You've got to set boundaries with your partner so they know what your needs are. You know, um, 
So here's seven signs uh, that would give you an idea, and there may be more than seven, but but there, here's some signs that this would tell you you're a conflict-avoidant person. You fear disappointing or displeasing anybody. You know, it, it's a very classic uh, people-pleasing behavior. You know, if people-pleasing doesn't sound that bad to you, um, now we're not talking about ex- we're not talking totally about an extreme here. But however, if people are people pleasers and do that to the sacrifice of their own selves to great extent, this is a good indicator that a person is uh, conflict avoidance. Also, uh, here's another sign: if if you pull conversational maneuvers to get away from fights, that's a real strong sign that you're conflict avoidance. And there's people that are basically serial conflict avoiders, and they have a series of unconscious maneuvers to get out of fight situations. So maybe you throw out a joke. Maybe you get all passive aggressive. Maybe you leave the room. Maybe you deliberately change the subject. But if things start to look like conflict, your immediate reaction is to get either out of the situation or somehow change it so that it's more peaceful rather than seeing the fight through. Also, um, you practice gunny sacking. Now, gunny sacking is a uh, psychological term, and basically what it, re- it refers to is the practice of silently accumulating grievances, annoyances, problems as they build up, and then letting them all go in a rush as the sack burns, and it often completely flooding their target, and that means that they basically become very aggressive. And uh, it's intimately related to conflict avoidance, you know, gunny sacking, because it's what happens when you don't resolve things as you go along and you hold on to them. And it can reinforce uh, conflict avoidant behavior because after the flood of misery dumps, you may feel absolutely uh, wretched, irrational, and uh, decide that you don't want to look crazy anymore because you do look crazy when you dump in a crazy way uh, aggressively because you're holding stuff so much. You can't live a peaceful life by holding things in a sack, holding these emotions in a sack. You know, we are human. That means we have logic and emotion and we have to bring them both together. You know, also another sign if you're conflict avoidant is, is you experience bad conflicts and you experience bad conflicts in your childhood. You know, a bit of fighting isn't a bad thing, but you, you have to learn to fight well and fight respectfully. But people that are conflict avoidance tend to have learned early in their lives that a conflict is a frightening negative experience to be avoided at all costs. Rather than something that can actually resolve problems, violent fights, irrational parents, conflicts, and escalated rapidly, seriously damaging uh, s- s- slang being used, and and if you've seen a fight go really badly wrong in your childhood, you'll be inclined to pull away from all possibility of that happening in the future, even if other people are unlikely uh, to 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 pitch a fit or likely to pitch a fit with you. Also, um, you silently resent that things don't resolve. That would make you conflict avoidant. So you resent things that don't resolve. And here here's the thing: in adulthood. Some things rarely resolve properly without a good conflict, or at least somebody standing up for themselves and asserting their opinion. So if you're conflict avoidant, instead of telling someone that they've uh, got you wrong and they need to fix it, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend that their birthday card for your mom was offensive, you'll just suffer in silence and hold it in and someday it'll just slip out at the wrong time and be used as a bullet and yet you never communicated it in the first place. Also, uh, here's another sign. If you've suffered injustice and unfairness just to avoid a fight. So if you think 
of more than one example where avoiding a fight led to a significant disadvantage on your party, you're probably the prime candidate for conflict avoidance status. Sometimes avoiding conflict is a good idea. However, if somebody is being irrational, prone to violence, or just needs to be calmed down rather than met with assertive responses, it's a good and diplomatic idea. But you have rights. And, and uh, if you've let them slip rather than go for a, de- a direct confrontation, you're avoiding conflict and costing yourself things in the process. Usually, you are the one to pay rather than the person who you would create conflict with. You know, and also, another indicator is you have a fear of expressing yourself. And, you know, fights are ultimately about expressing your own position in ways that may convince the other person that they're wrong. However, if you've come from an environment where your own views are met with dismissiveness, uh, snorts of of, uh, derision, serious uh, smackdowns, constant criticism, and any other kind of systematic dismantling, you're not going to feel comfortable asserting yourself. Um, So... Getting out of conflict avoidance you know, patterns are tricky, so we're going to look at how to uh, deal with that. Now, here's how it affects everything to be conflict avoidant. You know, you, you can't bear the thought of getting yourself into a conflict, so you're not alone. You know, so many people would much rather have a root canal than bear the thought of an actual uh, conflict. However, with a, with a, and that could be with a spouse, with a, with a coworker, with a boss, a family member. But unfortunately, not dealing with conflict doesn't mean the conflict isn't there anymore. Chances are it'll become worse by not dealing with it than uh, and have a lot of negative effects. The problem is when we avoid conflict, it usually ends up hurting us more. And if we avoid t- uh, talking about the issues that might lead to conflict, other people are forced into making assumptions about us which don't represent our true intentions. And intentions is a real important thing because when we're doing conflict, it is really important to not attack the negative thing that took place. What you want to attack is the process that led to the negative event. So, for instance, if my kid didn't turn in a homework assignment, instead of going, you didn't turn in your homework. I can't believe you didn't turn in your homework. Why didn't you turn in your homework? Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's not going to get things solved. What I need to know is what led to you not being able to turn your homework in? How did you decide not to turn your homework in? Try to get into the process that leads to the decision of doing the thing that is wrong rather than attack the ultimate outcome. Uh, because it's going to just sound like uh, you're just going to start an aggressive attack when you do that. So if you're investing in the process that leads to something, then what you're doing is talking about forgiveness. And that is learning about a person's intentions. A lot of us do bad things, but we have good intentions. You know, um, conflict avoiders are afraid of others' anger. They're criticisms of them. They fear rejection. They also don't set themselves up for conflict that could bring rejection. And many times, conflict avoiders are also, you know, as I said before, people pleasers. So, you know, here's a thing, things to look out for to deal with conflict avoidance if this is your problem. You have to ask yourself, what is the absolute worst that can happen if I confront this person or situation? Can I deal with the consequences even if they get mad or reject me? And, and then you try to sift through what's the rationale and what's, ir- what's rational and what's irrational when considering approaching your conflict. See what your mind is telling you and see what your fear may be generating 
could be irrational. So, And you also want to try approaching a conflict first and then build up to larger ones. Acclimate yourself to what it's like to deal with conflict in a small scale before you move to a big scale. You know, use eye language when you're confronting the other person. You know, I'm having a problem and I need to talk. I'm feeling uncomfortable and upset about something that I feel you did. And I just need to know more about this and I need to talk through it. You know, don't blame the other person or or pin it on them. Maximize your chances of success by buying into I'm the person having the problem. You know, also you want to be clear on what you want. You know, you're going to have so much more success if you know what you want. Clearly express that a person you're talking to, not only uh, not knowing or not being clear, feeds insecurity and fear, So, you, which might help make you avoid more conflicts. So you remember that people's feelings are their own, and we're entitled to our own feelings, and you're not responsible for their feelings or their reactions, and you can simply say, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, that acknowledges their feelings. Um, And if they get upset with you, that's their issue and theirs alone. That's how they choose to feel. That's how they choose to react. And and you also want to remember that people's feelings, uh, 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 they oftentimes avoid conflict also. So many people avoid topics in a conversation. They'll avoid things in a conversation. And remember, they may have the same technique as you is that they're afraid of conflict. And you might want to acknowledge that you have the same fear. All right, we're going to go into some other quick tips and then we're going to move on into the effect on uh, men in relationships with conflict and uh, divorce predictors. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning Healthy Living Power Hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 
346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. All right, we're talking about conflict avoidance and how it affects our lives. You know, if you, if you have a job or you're part of a team, it, here's some uh, tips on how to help yourself if you're conflict avoidance. You know, if you want to maintain a, a positive, friendly relations with people, uh, think yourself of, as a nice, good person who'd never start a fight, um, you know, you don't want to be that person that shies away from open, healthy conflict about issues because when people can process together in a safe way, it makes them much stronger. You know, uh, here's some tips. You know, express your contrary opinion as an and. Now, this is important. It's not necessary for someone else to be wrong and for you to be right. I, I Here's an example. I hear that you think we need to leave the room in, a, in, in the budget for a customer event and I'm concerned that we need that money for employee training. What are, what are our options? See, now, just putting an and in there, you're asserting your opinion at the back side of it. Also, you know, if you're afraid of doing that, you could use hypotheticals. You know, try, try asking uh, people you work with to imagine a different scenario. You know, I hear you're concerned about getting the right salespeople to pull off this uh, campaign. But if we could get the right people, what could the campaign look like? So basically, you're shaping by uh, getting a vision out there of, of something different. You know, uh, also talk about the impact of actions. Rather than uh, disagreeing with uh, a team plan, help, your, help folks think through the consequences by asking good, open-ended questions about the impact. Okay, we're contemplating launching this such-and-such product to our whatever customers. How is that going to land with our two big customers over in this other area? You see, that, that's getting people to start thinking openly and outside the box. That's not conflict. That's discussion. Also, uh, ask about an underlying issue. You know, if, you, if you agree or disagree with a proposed action, start with discussion by trying to understand the rationale. If you understand the reason for the action, you might be able to find another way to accomplish the same goal. You know, uh, you know having conflict and presenting it in a different point of view, even when it's uncomfortable, is critical to everybody being effective. You know, diversity of thinking is the source of innovation and growth. It is the path to identifying and mitigating risks. And if you find yourself shying away from conflict, use one of those techniques and see if it becomes a little bit easier. Now, conflict on the, the effect on men in relationships, by the way, can be monumental. You know, attachment style can predict a person's uh, physical stress response to conflict uh, with a romantic partner. Um, and so the Journal of Personal and Social Psychology uh, did uh, a study with the National Int- Institute of Mental Health uh, where about 124 couples between the ages of 18 and 21 who had been together for at least two months, uh, they basically assessed the participants' self-reported avoidance of intimacy and dependence on their romantic partner and the anxiety about rejection and abandonment. So the secure types had low levels of anxiety and avoidance. The anxious ambivalence, uh, they had high levels of anxiety and low levels of avoidance. And then the fearful avoidance had high levels of both anxiety avoidance 
and also the dismissing avoidant had low anxiety and high avoidance. So after finding out the, you know, the questionnaires and the couple spent about 15 minutes discussing an issue that caused heated, unresolved discussions in the past month, the researchers basically collected uh, cortisol samples, assessing the psychological stress in anticipation of conflict throughout uh, a 40-minute uh, recovery period. And so the researchers found that both that although both men and women have a physiological response to conflict, the response is much more pronounced in men than in women and involves diff- different attachment factors. Anxiety was a strong predictor for a response in men, but in women, only highly avoidant types showed uh, significant cortisol changes. Now, cortisol is something that uh, you can uh, – Basically, it, it collects fat in your body. It, makes, it means that your body is preparing uh, for something stressful or having to run for your life. And so basically, it stores fat. You know, um, men and women may face different demands in the conflict negotiation task. Now, in the relationship, women were often expected to initiate and guide conflict discussions. And this is f- coming from that study. For avoidant women, who preferred the distance themselves from the conflict situation, the study's task may be, uh, was particularly difficult for her. And indeed, avoidant women in the study showed that high reactivity before and during conflict, but recovered rapidly after leaving the discussion. For these women, avoiding sustained conflict appears to be physiologically rewarding. Men, however, on the other hand, were expected to be more passive participants. And they uh, basically, although they may want to resolve the issues, anxious men feel particularly uncomfortable uh, actively confronting relationship conflicts. However, men in the study who had a secure female partner showed the, the lowest levels of cortisol uh, reactivity, indicating that their partners were helping to regulate their stress levels, and the converse was true for women where their apartment, their attachment style did not have regulating effects on stress levels. And I know that all sounds very scientific, but what's important to understand is that if you're in a relationship, you're bound to do conflict because people argue over trust issues. And that is every argument you'll ever have in your life is a trust issue. And, and so what you want to do is try to understand what is the person's perspective of truth on the particular topic. And you may not like where someone stands, but what it does do is it lets you know where you're you're to begin the negotiation back to something that both of you can accept. And so it's so important to be a good listener to get the conflict down. And listening doesn't mean you agree. Listening means you validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is those types of things help a person understand that you're listening to them and it keeps the conversation much, much lower. Now, here's a divorce uh, predictor with conflict avoidance. You know, what's sad is the reason uh, couples avoid conflict is because they believe it causes divorce. It's like the cartoon where the couple explains to the marriage counselor, we never talk anymore. We figured out that's when we do all the fighting. You know, in the beginning, we avoid conflict because we're in love and we believe that staying in love is about agreeing, not fighting. You know, we're afraid that if we disagree or fight, we'll run, we'll ruin our marriage or run it off in, into a ditch. And we believe that if we found our soulmate, 
we'll agree about most things and certainly about the important things. And later, we avoid conflict because when we finally do try to deal with our differences and talk about them, things usually get out of hand because you've suppressed so much of your feelings. And it's, it's very awkward. So you have to practice doing conflict and you start with small things and move to the bigger. So after a few uh, big blow-ups, it, it's, it's really... Uh, determined to avoid conflict at any cost because a lot of people basically will just avoid it because they know what they're going to get. You know, successful couples are those who know how to discuss their differences in the ways that actually strengthen their relationship and improves their intimacy. So people that can safely do conflict have a much better intimate life together, both sexually, personally, and in their communication because they know they can get through bad things. You know, put it another way, it's hard to take a person out if you're not speaking. You know, it's very uncomfortable not only for you, but for other people to have to deal with two adults who are married to each other who won't even speak to each other. You know, that is the most immature possible thing you can do. You know, it's ridiculous that you cannot talk about your feelings to each other. That's You need help if you cannot do that together. You know, uh, the divorce courts have it all wrong. You know, irreconcilable differences like a, a bad knee or a chronic back are not a reason to divorce. Irreconcilable differences are part of every good marriage. You know, successful couples learn to dance in spite of their differences. They gain comfort in knowing they know their partner and know which issues they disagree on and they learn to manage. They also understand that if, if they switch partners, they'll just get 10 new areas of disagreement. And sadly, the most destructive will be about the children from their earlier relationships. So in addition to the skills for handling disagreements, we also have to learn to welcome and embrace change. And when we marry, we promise to stay together till death do us part, but we don't promise to stay the same. When we marry, we promise to stay together, and, and, and we basically are going to evolve. We're going to change throughout the course of the relationship because of the way we compromise, communicate, and all the good things that we bring to each other. You know, the good news is, is that the skills and the behaviors for handling disagreements and conflict – uh, for integrating change and for expressing love, intimacy, sex, support, appreciation can all be learned. Couples can learn and unlearn behavior. But I can tell you if you avoid conflict, you're basically headed down the road for something bad to happen to that relationship. Also, you know, a conflict avoidance is a total intimacy killer. You know, if you, you want to keep peace in your relationship, that may work for a while, but eventually you'll distance from each other, widening your intimacy gap, and the very thing you didn't want, you'll find yourself in a catch-22. If you do not deal with conflict, distance increases, and if you deal with the conflict, fear of rejection or anger increases. So what's the wisest thing to do? When you finally find there is no way out but self-awareness and incredible pain and loneliness and responsibility, then the only thing you will bring to be alive and begin to know the joy of freedom is basically doing conflict. You know, how about building the idea into a, the, a relationship? It doesn't sound like a lot of fun, but it is something you've got to learn how to do. That's why premarital counseling is such a good idea because you're able to learn how to do conflict before you get into that big uh, step of getting married. So if you want to increase the intimacy with your partner, you have to increase the intimacy of yourself and stop avoiding conflicts. You know, can you stay fully present with yourself in the midst of inner conflict? You know, fully present means 
You're not thinking about the past. You're not thinking about the future. This conflict is only about this conflict and not any other conflict. It is only about this one transaction that isn't working. And if you throw in all the hurt and pain from other events from the past and the present and the future, you, you're basically not fully present in the moment and you're, not, you're making the argument into something bigger than it should be. And so this is one of the things that pushes people away from each other because they feel like they're going to get the bag of the future and the past and all the predictions in their face and all they're trying to do is do conflict about what time to pick up the kids or whatever. You know, it's, it's just amazing that these small things can turn into big, 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 big problems. You know, to, to, uh, to birth basic mature intimacy, you have to take full responsibility of your own feelings, your own thoughts and reactions. You have to stop avoiding unwanted parts of yourself and you have to learn how to be totally honest with yourself and with your partner, in, including a full range of emotions. But, but don't hold on to emotions inside like, like a child ha- uh, hiding in a cave. It, it only leads to a depressed mood and in the extreme it can lead to violence against yourself. So you don't want to act out and explode. And, you know, this leads to defensiveness, criticism, content, extreme abuse, violence. You don't want aggression. You want assertive. Once again, flat, straight. Talk to your emotions. You know, there is a caveat here, though. You, you know, promise to stay emotionally intimate with your partner while you work through conflicts unless there's abuse in any form. So physical, emotional, mental, financial, spiritual. When there is abuse, you have to set boundaries to take good care of yourself. But you have to promise you're not going to withdraw intimacy because we had a fight. You want to still maintain that because if you avoid intimacy after a fight, what you're basically doing is you're saying that we're fully unplugged. And that's not a good sign, and that creates a lot of uh, doubt about the relationship, and it creates a lot of problems. You know, this is how it can help relationships. Boundary violations. In order to avoid conflict, you can't react to boundary you react to boundary validations. Let's say you you and I are friends, or, or and one day since I've, I've uh, I have a set of keys and I really need them. I borrow your car while you're at work. I let you know about it after you get home. And uh, if your priority is to avoid conflict, you would not tell me that you dislike what I did. However, since you don't express any displeasure, I assume that it's okay to take your keys and do the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day. So inviting conflict by being honest with me about your feelings would head off the problem before it becomes a bigger deal. Very good idea. Also, passive aggression. Um, if you can't risk conflict by expressing your true feelings and asking for what you need, you know, please don't take my car when I'm not around. Sooner or later, you'll find a sneaky way to get your needs met. You, you might park your car somewhere where I can't find it or make up a lie about taking it to work, uh, go out of your way to hide your car in a less convenient, uh, simple way. And uh, so the, the, the person doesn't ever drive your car, but there's never a conflict about why is the car not around. Also, uh, relationship trouble. You know, uh, the very thing we fear about conflict is its potential to damage a relationship. And so, you know, I, I agree. It's hard to say to somebody, I wish you hadn't borrowed my car without asking. But if our relationship is based on you letting me do whatever I want with your stuff, what kind of relationship is that it makes a person more neighborly uh, neighborhood bully uh, and, and my helpless victim basically the person that's taking you for granted the person that's taking the keys in the car becomes a bully 
when uh, basically all it is is it's a transaction that wasn't understood by uh, both people. So here are the top reasons that families overall have conflict. You know, uh, family harmony provides a sense of belonging and a feeling of security. Um, when conflict arises, it threatens basically the family security, whether the disharmony in, initiates from within the family or from external sources. Individual family members and family as a whole can experience a range of negative emotions and consequences. So unresolved conflict Im- irreparably may damage a marriage and the entire family if family members do not seek help. Here's one of the main reasons, and I hear this all the time. Finances and jobs is the area of finances specifically. The lack of enough money to pay the bills and maintain the mortgage or the rent, buy sufficient food or other necessities, or have any remaining money for recreation, job, or career may contribute to conflict within a family. So if a parent's job keeps them away from home most of the time, the spouse at home with the children often feels neglected or overwhelmed. Conversely, if the parent becomes unemployed, this causes its own form of stress and conflict as finances dwindle and uncertainty sets about the future. So a lot of arguing takes place during that time period. All right, we're going to go back into family conflict, and then we're going to move on into conflict avoidance and see what we can do to help people uh, prepare to have conflict at home and at work. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're uh, talking about conflict avoidance. And uh, I was mentioning family conflict. One of the main reasons is finances and jobs. But another one is uh, sibling rivalry. You know, another cause for family conflict, it's inevitable rivalry uh, that, that occurs between siblings. You know, children typically seek their parents' attention and approval, even if their cry requires being tattled on or someone's causing to harm uh, a sibling, whether a child expresses jealousy of their sibling, uh, competes with them, teases them nonstop. It is destined to cause conflict because each child deserves equal amount of parental love and acceptance, yet sometimes parents favor one child over another, and this really can intensify conflict in families. Also, we have to uh, look at another reason uh, families have conflict, uh, child discipline. While uh, um, you know mutual agreement on the subject of discipline is critical for parents, a lack of uh, consciousness opens up another potential area for family conflict. If one parent acts as a disciplinarian and the other mm-hmm. typically becomes a consoler to whom the child can turn, this often pits one parent against each other. And so it's really important for both parents to always be on the same page, and you never want to Uh, do discipline out of anger. You want to do discipline to teach. If you do discipline out of anger, that's called abuse. Also, in-laws and extended family, that's another uh, conflict area. You know, jokes and movies about uh, regarding conflict with in-laws, especially mother-in-laws, however, when you actually become involved in disagreements with your in-laws or extended family, it is no longer funny. You know, while it's preferable to respect your elders, parents, grandparents on both sides equally, this can also be very challenging. You know, if relatively uh, routinely interfere in your family decisions, lifestyle conflict uh, frequently results. So you have to expect that. You know, it's important to learn how to navigate the emotions so that you can express your feelings to the people you love. If If you do not, There could be more uh, to lose than to gain. Um, So, you know, you want to act opposite to your initial feeling. And that is the first thing you have to do if you're going to do conflict. Act opposite to your initial feeling. Although how you feel is always valid, your feelings are not facts. Your feelings are frequently changing. Facts are immutable. So feelings can also cause us to be impulsive. So if you live by your feelings alone, that means you'll potentially make bad choices and that you will feel you're right, feel you're right, but you're not. Um, That's like a person who's depressed and sad, so they don't feel like getting out of bed and going to work, and they spend the day at home falsely sick, mentally sick, but they're just depressed and sad. Now, if you ignore your feelings and get up and go to work and then check in with how you feel, you'll have a much better chance of having a better day. Um, You know, you want to be able to take some time to evaluate 
your thought before you initiate everything based on a feeling. So you want the feelings to motivate the thought rather than the feelings to become what you have to defend because you took actions on how you feel. You know, uh, use why sentences to explain your position, and that means you're not asking somebody a why, which will offend because it's a motive-based question. But what you want to do is explain your position, but that doesn't mean you sit there and talk for 50 years. What you want to do is just put down your logic, you know, understand why, uh, you know, validate how you feel, and and you don't want to discount somebody, you know, in the discussion. You want to uh, find out what led to this decision or how do we get to this decision or this is how I chose to come up with this point of view so that when you are taking action, you actually have a plan and a reason. And also, um, you know, like I said, follow up, you know, following basically a formula. For example, if you set a timeout, you have to set a time to come back. You can't just make a timeout and walk away. You have to set a time to come back. Usually, it's one minute for every year of your life. And so, on the average, between the two people having a conflict, average it out, and that's the time that you guys should come back. It gives you time to re-strategize. Also, uh, you want to stick only to the subject on hand. You don't want to start throwing in the baby with the bathwater, throwing in all the times, other times that you did this, or these are all the reasons I can't trust you. This is just like this thing you did the other day. Just talk about the one event that you need to discuss. And if you do that, you will have a better conflict. Also, you don't want to label. If you're going to label someone, that means they're no longer human. They're an object, and that's not good. That's very disrespectful. And so labeling somebody is, is, is a cop-out. You know, people are much more complex than a label. And by labeling someone, you're basically uh, cutting out their opinion and basically making their opinion that of everybody they're labeled by. You know, uh, and once again, and I mentioned this earlier, is use I statements. If we're going to state problems, we need to state it from not you made me do this or they made me do this. Is I decided I did this. I decided to do this. This is what I did. I'm very sorry. You use I statements, and that's going to help you in conflict. You know, uh, so, you know, agreeing to negotiate, you, you know, usually our first angry impulse is to push the point that we are right and we win the argument at any cost. So finding a peaceful resolution can be very difficult, if not impossible, when both people stubbornly stick to their guns. So it helps if everyone decides as a family to try to listen and negotiate instead. You know, separate the problem from the person. Try to cool off first if you feel too angry to talk calmly. Uh, Keep in mind that the idea is to resolve conflict and not win an argument. I can't tell you how many people I get in counseling that just want to win at all costs. And to see two people going at each other to win, nobody wins. And you have to remind them of that. Also, You want to talk clearly and reasonably and and try to find points that you have in common. And you want to agree to disagree on some other points and respect the other person's point of view by pay attention and listening and validating their perspective. They have a right to their truth. And no matter how much you feel that is wrong. So when you try to listen, you know, a conflict can escalate when people involved are too angry to listen to each other. So misunderstandings Few more arguments. So try to stay calm. Try to put your emotions aside. Don't interrupt the other person while they're speaking. Actively listen to what they're saying and what they mean. 
You know, th- there's an old saying that, it, you know, if, the, if you bob your head maybe three times, that, that's a validation. You may not say, I hear what you're saying, but you're, you're basically telling them you, you check in. I'm not saying be a bobblehead like at the ballpark, but, you know, nod your head a, a few times and that will help them know that you're actively listening. Um, check that you understand them by asking questions. Uh, communicate your side of the story clearly. Honestly, flat and straight, just speak to your emotions and you want to resist the urge to bring other uh, unresolved conflicts into the middle of an argument. Also, you know, work as a team. Both parties understand the views and the feelings of each other, so you want to work out a solution together. Suggestions would be like coming up with as many possible solutions as you can. Uh, Be willing to compromise. Make sure everyone clearly understands the chosen solution. Separate needs from wants and so that you can get down to something that will work. And, And put it in a contract if you have to. But that, you know, that's the last ditch effort to do, but that may help you. Also, if you can't do it together, get some professional advice and learn how to work together. That is a clear, clear indicator that a couple have a very good skills at being married. Also, um, you know, where can you get help? You can get help at uh, uh, relationship advice, like a family counselor. You can get it from a minister. You can get it from your doctor. Uh, you can call a parent line. You can uh, go to a family relationship line. Other parents, people that you trust, friends, anybody you feel is good at resolving conflict. You know, it, it can happen when family members have different points of views, uh, beliefs that clash. So peaceful resolution depends on negotiation and the respect for the other person's perspective, point of view. Okay, so let's look how to prepare yourself uh, for confronting a real issue. You want to be able to state the issue in one or two non-emotional facts based sentences. For example, assume you want to uh, confront, let's say, a, a co-worker for taking all the credit for work that the two of you did together on a project. Instead of saying, you took all the credit, blah, 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 inventing your frustration, which is what you might say in your mind, rephrase your approach using the, bu- uh, the above thought. St- uh, say instead, okay, it looks as if I played no role in this account. My, my name does not appear anywhere on the document, nor have I been given credit anywhere I can see. So what that's basically doing is just stating the problem. You know, you're using I language. Notice that, you, that the eyes uh, that were more important than you. There was no you or they. It is I. I feel because it's an emotional statement. I feel blah, 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 without proof or facts. And that is very important. You also want to make your initial statement um, and stop talking. You know, when the person you're confronting responds, you have to allow them to respond. You know, it's a human tendency when we're emotional uh, to shut the other person down and start to argue. But you don't want to make that mistake of adding uh, your initial statement and then getting a further statement, not giving them to time Uh, the time to respond. You know, defending why you feel the way you do will generally just create an argument. You know, say what you want to say, the confrontation, then just allow the other person to respond. Especially since you probably held the the conversation in your head a few times, you you may think you know how the other person is going to respond, but it's a mistake to jump to the point uh, before they have the opportunity to respond. So you resist that temptation because you're basically disrespecting them. You know, you also want to avoid arguing during the confrontation. 
Um, confrontation, by the way, doesn't mean fight. It, it means that you need to state what you have to say. Listen to what they have to say. Many times it actually ends right there. Do you need to prove to the other person is right or wrong? Because if you do, uh, that they have to be blamed, you're basically showing yourself not to be an adult. You need to be able to hear another person out, and that is critical. You know, whoever is listening is in charge of the conversation. Also, you want to figure out the conflict resolution you want before the confrontation. So you set the goal. You know, if you approached your coworker with the statement, you know, you took all the credit, blah, 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 their response is likely going to be quite defensive. Perhaps saying uh, something like, Yes, you've been given credit. I said both of our names to the boss just last week. You know, if, if you already know what you are looking for in confrontation, this is where you move the conversation. Don't get into an argument about whether they did something or didn't mention anything to the boss. That isn't really the issue. Don't, don't let it distract you from accomplishing the goal of confrontation. Your response could be, you know, I would appreciate if in the future we b- use both our names in any documentation and that we include each other in all the correspondence whenever we're working on a project together. In, you know, once again, you focus on the real issue of the confrontation. The other party will either agree or disagree, but you keep to the issue at this point and avoid all temptation to get into an argument. Negotiate. But don't fight. You know, the issue is you weren't receiving credit. You want your name on the document. That's it. That's all it is. And and you just keep to that and you stick to that. Okay. So how to resolve. There's many, uh, when we look at the workplace, which is where conflict can really destroy our lives if we do it wrong, you want to look at some some, uh, very simple measures that you can take to... uh, Avoid bad conflict in the workplace. It's like scheduling a meeting to address a problem, preferably at a neutral place. You also want to set ground rules. You want to ask all parties to treat each other with respect, to make an effort to listen and understand the other's point of views. You want to ask everybody to describe the conflict, including the desired changes. Uh, You want to ask participants to state what others have said. And you also want to summarize the conflict based on what you have heard. You want to brainstorm solutions, rule out any options that participants agree agree are unworkable. You also want to summarize all the possible options for a solution and assign analysis to each option for people that are there in the room. And you also want to make sure all parties agree on the next steps. And, And you want to close a meeting of conflict by shaking hands, apologizing, thanking each other for working to resolve it. So, you know, you have to do conflict safely, and that is so, so important. All right, that's our show. Our next show is Hypochondriacs and Neurotics. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, you always want to win an argument. If you want to do that, you just say, I would agree with you, but we both would be wrong. Okay. All right. Also remember, you can avoid reality, but you cannot avoid the consequences of avoiding reality. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 